chapter forty four of the history of pendennis this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox the history of pendennis by william makepeace thackeray chapter forty four in which the colonel narrates some of his adventures early in the forenoon of the day after the dinner in grosvenor place at which colonel altamont had chosen to appear the colonel emerged from his chamber in the upper story at shepherd's inn and entered into strong's sitting-room where the chevalier sat in his easy-chair with the newspaper and his cigar he was a man who made his tent comfortable wherever he pitched it and long before altamont's arrival had done justice to a copious breakfast of fried eggs and broiled rashers which mr grady had prepared secundum artem good-humoured and talkative he preferred any company rather than none and though he had not the least liking for his fellow-lodger and would not have grieved to hear that the accident had befallen him which sir francis clavering desired so fervently yet kept on fair terms with him he had seen altamont to bed with great friendliness on the night previous and taken away his candle for fear of accidents and finding a spirit-bottle empty upon which he had counted for his nocturnal refreshment had drunk a glass of water with perfect contentment over his pipe before he turned into his own crib and to sleep that enjoyment never failed him he had always an easy temper a faultless digestion and a rosy cheek and whether he was going into action the next morning or to prison and both had been his lot in the camp or the fleet the worthy captain snored healthfully through the night and woke with a good heart and appetite for the struggles or difficulties or pleasures of the day the first act of colonel altamont was to bellow to grady for a pint of pale ale the which he first poured into a pewter flagon whence he transferred it to his own lips he put down the tankard empty drew a great breath wiped his mouth in his dressing-gown the difference of the colour of his beard from his dyed whiskers had long struck captain strong who had seen too that his hair was fair under his black wig but made no remarks upon these circumstances the colonel drew a great breath and professed himself immensely refreshed by his draught nothing like that beer he remarked when the coppers are hot many a day i've drunk a dozen of bass at calcutta and 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 at lucknow i suppose strong said with a laugh i got the beer for you on purpose knew you'd want it after last night and the colonel began to talk about his adventures of the preceding evening i cannot help myself the colonel said beating his head with his big hand i'm a madman when i get the liquor on board me and ain't fit to be trusted with a spirit bottle when i once begin i can't stop till i've emptied it and when i've swallowed it lord knows what i say or what i don't say i dined at home here quite quiet grady gave me just my two tumblers and i intended to pass the evening at the black and red as sober as a parson why did you leave that confounded sample bottle of hollands out of the cupboard strong grady must go out too and leave me the kettle a boiling for tea it was of no use i couldn't keep away from it washed it all down sir by jove and it's my belief i had some more too afterwards at that infernal little thieves den 
what were you there too strong asked and before you came to grosvenor place that was beginning betimes early hours to be drunk and cleared out before nine o'clock eh but so it was yes like a great big fool i must go there and found the fellows dining blackland and young moss and two or three more of the thieves if we'd gone to rouge et noir i must have won but we didn't try the black and red no hang em they'd knowed i'd have beat em at that i must have beat em i can't help beating em i tell you but they was too cunnin for me that rascal blackland got the bones out and we played hazard on the dining-table and i dropped all the money i had from you in the morning be hanged to my luck it was that that set me wild and i suppose i must have been very hot about the head for i went off thinking to get some more money from clavering i recollect and then and then i don't much remember what happened till i woke this morning and heard old bows at number four playing on his piano strong mused for a while as he lighted his cigar with a coal i should like to know how you always draw money from clavering colonel he said the colonel burst out with a laugh ha ha he owes it me he said i don't know that that's a reason with frank for paying strong answered he owes plenty besides you well he gives it me because he is so fond of me the other said with the same grinning sneer he loves me like a brother you know he does captain no he don't well perhaps he don't and if you ask me no questions perhaps i'll tell you no lies captain strong put that in your pipe and smoke it my boy but i'll give up that confounded brandy-bottle the colonel continued after a pause i must give it up or it'll be the ruin of me it makes you say queer things said the captain looking altamont hard in the face remember what you said last night at clavering's table say what did i say asked the other hastily did i split anything dammy strong did i split anything ask me no questions and i will tell you no lies the chevalier replied on his part strong thought of the words mr altamont had used in his abrupt departure from the baronet's dining-table and house as soon as he recognized major pendennis or captain beak as he called the major but strong resolved to seek an explanation of these words otherwise than from colonel altamont and did not choose to recall them to the other's memory no he said then you didn't split as you call it colonel it was only a trap of mine to see if i could make you speak but you didn't say a word that anybody could comprehend you were too far gone for that so much the better altamont thought and heaved a great sigh as if relieved strong remarked the emotion but took no notice and the other being in a communicative mood went on speaking yes i own to my faults continued the colonel there are some things i can't do what i will resist a bottle of brandy a box of dice and a beautiful woman no man of pluck and spirit no man as was worth his salt ever could as i know of there's hardly perhaps a country in the world in which them three ain't got me into trouble indeed said strong yes from the age of fifteen when i ran away from home and went cabin boy on board an india man till now when i'm fifty year old pretty nigh them women have always been my ruin why it was one of em and with such black eyes and jewels on her neck and battens and ermine like a duchess i tell you it was one of em at paris that swept off the best part of the thousand pound as i went off with didn't i ever tell you of it well i don't mind at first i was very cautious and having such a lot of money kept it close and lived like a gentleman colonel altamont maurice's hotel and that sort of thing never played except at the public tables and won more than i lost well sir there was a chap that i saw at the hotel and the palace royale too a regular swell fellow with white kid gloves and a tuft to his chin 
floundel bloundel his name was as i made acquaintance with somehow and he asked me to dinner and took me to madame the countess de foljam's soirees such a woman strong such an eye such a hand at the piano lord bless you she'd sit down and sing to you and gaze at you until she warbled your soul out of your body almost she asked me to go to her evening parties every tuesday and didn't i take opera boxes and give her dinners at the restaurateurs that's all but i had a run of luck at the tables and it was not in the dinners and opera boxes that poor clavering's money went no be hanged to it it was swept off in another way one night at the countess's there were several of us at supper mr bloundel bloundel the honourable deuce ace the marquis de la tour de force all tip-top knobs sir and the height of fashion when we had supper and champagne you may be sure in plenty and then some of that confounded brandy i would have it i would it go on at it the countess mixed the tumblers of punch for me and we had cards as well as grog after supper and i played and drank until i don't know what i did i was like i was last night i was taken away and put to bed somehow and never woke until the next day to a roaring headache and to see my servant who said the honourable deuceace wanted to see me and was waiting in the sitting-room how are you colonel says he a coming into my bedroom how long did you stay last night after i went away the play was getting too high for me and i'd lost enough to you for one night to me says i how's that my dear fellow for though he was an earl's son we was as familiar as you and me how's that my dear fellow says i and he tells me that he had borrowed thirty louis of me at vingt et un that he gave me an i o u for it the night before which i put into my pocket-book before he left the room i takes out my card-case it was the countess as worked it for me and there was the i o u sure enough and he paid me thirty louis in gold down upon the table at my bedside so i said he was a gentleman and asked him if he would like to take anything when my servant should get it for him but the honourable deuceace don't drink of a morning and he went away to some business which he said he had presently there's another ring at my outer door and this time it's bloundel bloundel and the marquis that comes in bonjour marquis says i good morning no headache says he so i said i had one and how i must have been uncommon queer the night afore but they both declared i didn't show no signs of having had too much but took my liquor as grave as a judge so says the marquis deuceace has been with you we met him in the palais royal as we were coming from breakfast has he settled with you get it while you can he's a slippery card and as he won three ponies of blondel i recommend you to get your money while he has some he has paid me says i but i knew no more than the dead that he owed me anything and don't remember a bit about lending him thirty louis the marquis and blondel looks and smiles at each other at this and blondel says colonel you are a queer feller no man could have supposed from your manners that you had tasted anything stronger than tea all night and yet you forget things in the morning come come tell that to the marines my friend we won't have it at any price en effet says the marquis twiddling his little black mustachios in the chimney-glass and making a lunge or two as he used to do at the fencing-school he was a wonder at the fencing-school and i've seen him knock down the image fourteen times running at lepage's let us speak of affairs colonel you understand that affairs of honour are best settled at once perhaps it won't be inconvenient to you to arrange our little matters of last night what little matter says i do you owe me any money marquis bah says he do not let us have any more jesting i have your note of hand for three hundred and forty louis la voyage says he taking out a paper from his pocket-book and mine for two hundred and ten says bloundel bloundel and he pulls out his bit of paper i was in such a rage of wonder at this that i sprang out of bed and wrapped my dressing-gown round me are you come here to make a fool of me says i i don't owe you two hundred or two thousand or two louis 
and i won't pay you a farthing do you suppose you can catch me with your notes of hand i laugh at em and at you and i believe you to be a couple of a couple of what says mr blowndell you of course are aware that we are a couple of men of honour colonel altamont and not come here to trifle or to listen to abuse from you you will either pay us or we will expose you as a cheat and chastise you as a cheat too says blowndell oui parbleu says the marquis but i didn't mind him for i could have thrown the little fellow out of the window but it was different with blowndell he was a large man that weighs three stone more than me and stands six inches higher and i think he could have done for me monsieur will pay or monsieur will give me the reason why i believe you're little better than a polisson colonel altamont that was the phrase he used altamont said with a grin and i got plenty more of this language from the two fellows and was in the thick of the row with them when another of our party came in this was a friend of mine a gent i had met at bologna and had taken to the countess's myself and as he hadn't played at all on the previous night and had actually warned me against blondel and the others i told the story to him and so did the other two i'm very sorry says he you would go on playing the countess entreated you to discontinue these gentlemen offered repeatedly to stop it was you that insisted on the large stakes not they in fact he charged dead against me and when the two others went away he told me how the marquis would shoot me as sure as my name was was what it is i left the countess crying too said he she hates these two men she has warned you repeatedly against them which she actually had done and often told me never to play with them and now colonel i have left her in hysterics almost lest there should be any quarrel between you and that confounded marquis should put a bullet through your head it's my belief says my friend that that woman is distractedly in love with you do you think so says i upon which my friend told me how she had actually gone down on her knees to him and save colonel altamont as soon as i was dressed i went and called upon that lovely woman she gave her a shriek and pretty near fainted when she saw me she called me ferdinand i'm blessed if she didn't i thought your name was jack said strong with a laugh at which the colonel blushed very much behind his dyed whiskers a man may have more names than one mayn't he strong altamont asked when i'm with a lady i like to take a good one she called me by my christian name she cried fit to break your heart i can't stand seeing a woman cry never could not whilst i'm fond of her she said she could bear not to think of my losing so much money in her house wouldn't i take her diamonds and necklaces and pay with part i swore i wouldn't touch a farthing's worth of her jewellery which perhaps i did not think was worth a great deal but what can a woman do more than give you her all that's the sort i like and i know there's plenty of em and i told her to be easy about the money for i would not pay one single farthing then they'll shoot you she says she they'll kill my ferdinand they'll kill my jack wouldn't have sounded well in french strong said laughing never mind about names said the other sulkily a man of honour may take any name he chooses i suppose well go on with your story said strong she said they would kill you no says i they won't for i will not let that scamp of a marquis send me out of this world and if he lays a hand on me i'll brain him marquis as he is at this the countess shrank back from me as if i had said something very shocking do i understand colonel altamont aright says she and that a british officer refuses to meet any person who provokes him to the field of honour field of honour be hanged countess says i you would not have me be a target for that little scoundrel's pistol practice colonel altamont says the countess i thought you were a man of honour i thought i but no matter good-bye sir and she was sweeping out of the room her voice regular choking in her pocket-handkerchief countess says i rushing after her and seizing her hand leave me monsieur le colonel says she shaking me off my father was a general of the grand army a soldier should know how to pay all his debts of honour what could i do everybody was against me 
caroline said i had lost the money though i didn't remember a syllable about the business i had taken deuceace's money too but then it was because he offered it to me you know and that's a different thing every one of these chaps was a man of fashion and honour and the marquis and the countess of the first families in france and by jove sir rather than offender i paid the money up five hundred and sixty gold napoleons by jove besides three hundred which i lost when i had my revenge and i can't tell you at this minute whether i was done or not concluded the colonel musing sometimes i think i was but then caroline was so fond of me that woman would never have seen me done never i'm sure she wouldn't at least if she would i'm deceived in woman any further revelations of his past life which altamont might have been disposed to confide to his honest comrade the chevalier were interrupted by a knocking at the outer door of their chambers which when opened by grady the servant admitted no less a person than sir francis clavering into the presence of the two worthies the governor by jove cried strong regarding the arrival of his patron with surprise what's brought you here growled altamont looking sternly from under his heavy eyebrows at the baronet it's no good i warrant and indeed good very seldom brought sir francis clavering into that or any other place whenever he came into shepherd's inn it was money that brought the unlucky baronet into those precincts and there was commonly a gentleman of the money-dealing world in waiting for him at strong's chambers or at campion's below and a question of bills to negotiate or to renew clavering was a man who had never looked his debts fairly in the face familiar as he had been with them all his life as long as he could renew a bill his mind was easy regarding it and he would sign almost anything for to-morrow provided to-day could be left unmolested he was a man whom scarcely any amount of fortune could have benefited permanently and it was made to be ruined to cheat small tradesmen to be the victim of astuter sharpers to be niggardly and reckless and as destitute of honesty as the people who cheated him and a dupe chiefly because he was too mean to be a successful knave he had told more lies in his time and undergone more baseness of stratagem in order to stave off a small debt or to swindle a poor creditor than would have sufficed to make a fortune for a braver rogue he was abject and a shuffler in the very height of his prosperity had he been a crown prince he could not have been more weak useless dissolute or ungrateful he could not move through life except leaning on the arm of somebody and yet he never had an agent but he mistrusted him and marred any plans which might be arranged for his benefit and secretly acting against the people whom he employed strong knew clavering and judged him quite correctly it was not as friends that this pair met but the chevalier worked for his principal as he would when in the army have pursued a harassing march or undergone his part in the danger and privations of a siege because it was his duty and because he had agreed to it what is it he wants thought the officers of the shepherd's inn garrison when the baronet came among them his pale face expressed extreme anger and irritation so sir he said addressing altamont you've been at your old tricks which of em asked altamont with a sneer you have been at the rouge et noir you were there last night cried the baronet how do you know were you there the other said i was at the club but it wasn't on the colours i played ask the captain i've been telling him of it it was with the bones it was at hazard sir francis upon my word and honour it was and he looked at the baronet with a knowing humorous mock humility which only seemed to make the other more angry what the deuce do i care sir how a man like you loses his money and whether it is at hazard or roulette screamed the baronet with a multiplicity of oaths and at the top of his voice 
what will i not have sir is that you should use my name or couple it with yours damn him strong why don't you keep him in better order i tell you he has gone and used my name again sir drawn a bill upon me and lost the money on the table i can't stand it i won't stand it flesh and blood won't bear it do you know how much i have paid for you sir this was only a very little un sir francis only fifteen pound captain strong they wouldn't stand another and it oughtn't to anger you governor why it's so trifling i did not even mention it to strong did i now captain i protest it had quite slipped my memory and all on account of that confounded liquor i took liquor or no liquor sir it is no business of mine i don't care what you drink or where you drink it only it shan't be in my house and i will not have you breaking into my house of a night and a fellow like you intruding himself on my company how dared you show yourself in grosvenor place last night sir and and what do you suppose my friends must think of me when they see a man of your sort walking into my dining-room uninvited and drunk and calling for liquor as if you were the master of the house they'll think you know some very queer sort of people i dare say altamont said with impenetrable good-humour look here baronet i apologise on my honour i do and ain't an apology enough between two gentlemen it was a strong measure i own walking into your cuddy and calling for drink as if i was the captain but i had had too much before you see that's why i wanted some more nothing can be more simple and it was because they wouldn't give me no more money upon your name at the black and red that i thought i would come down and speak to you about it to refuse me was nothing but to refuse a bill drawn on you that have been such a friend to the shop and are a baronet and a member of parliament and a gentleman and no mistake damn it's ungrateful by heavens if you ever do it again if, if ever you dare show yourself in my house or give my name at a gambling house or at any other house by jove at any other house or give any reference at all to me or speak to me in the street by god or anywhere else until i speak to you i disclaim you altogether i won't give you another shilling governor don't be provoking altamont said sir lily don't talk to me about daring to do this thing or t'other or when my dander is up it's the very thing to urge me on i oughtn't to have come last night i know i oughtn't but i told you i was drunk and that ought to be sufficient between gentleman and gentleman you a gentleman damn me sir said the baronet how dares a fellow like you to call himself a gentleman i ain't a baronet i know growled the other and i've forgotten how to be a gentleman almost now but-but i was one once and my father was one and i'll not have this sort of talk from you sir f clavering that's flat i want to go abroad again why don't you come down with the money and let me go why the devil are you to be rolling in riches and me to have none why should you have a house and a table covered with plate and me be in a garret here in this beggarly shepherd's inn we're partners ain't we i'd as good a right to be rich as you have haven't i tell the story to strong here if you like and ask him to be umpire between us i don't mind letting my secret out to a man that won't split look here strong perhaps you guessed the story already the fact is me and the governor damn hold your tongue shrieked out the baronet in a fury you shall have the money as soon as i can get it i ain't made of money i'm so pressed and badgered i don't know where to turn i shall go mad by jove i shall i wish i was dead for i'm the most miserable brute alive i say mr altamont don't mind me when i'm out of health and i'm devilish bilious this morning hang me i abuse everybody and don't know what i say excuse me if i've offended you i-i'll try and get that little business done strong shall try upon my word he shall and i say strong my boy i want to speak to you come into the office for a minute almost all clavering's assaults ended in this ignominious way and in a shameful retreat altamont sneered after the baronet as he left the room and entered into the office to talk privately with his factotum what is the matter now the latter asked of him it's the old story i suppose durn it yes the baronet said i dropped two hundred in ready money at the little coventry last night and gave a cheque for three hundred more 
on her ladyship's bankers too for to-morrow and i must meet it for there'll be the deuce to pay else the last time she paid my play-debts i swore i would not touch a dice-box again and she'll keep her word strong and dissolve partnership if i go on i wish i had three hundred a year and was away at a german watering-place you can do devilish well with three hundred a year but my habits are so darned reckless i wish i was in the serpentine i wish i was dead by gad i wish i was i wish i had never touched those confounded bones i had such a run of luck last night with five for the main and seven to five all night until those ruffians wanted to pay me with altamont's bill upon me the luck turned from that minute never held the box again for three mains and came away cleared out leaving that infernal check behind me how shall i pay it blackland won't hold it over hawker and bullock will write about it directly to her ladyship by jove ned i'm the most miserable brute in all england it was necessary for ned to devise some plan to console the baronet under this pressure of grief and no doubt he found the means of procuring a loan for his patron for he was closeted at mr campion's offices that day for some time altamont had once more a guinea or two in his pocket with a promise of a further settlement and the baronet had no need to wish himself dead for the next two or three months at least and strong putting together what he had learned from the colonel and sir francis began to form in his own mind a pretty accurate opinion as to the nature of the tie which bound the two men together End of chapter forty four